Merry Christmas. Really, Merry Christmas. Uh, it seems like it's hard to get into Christmas mode this month, does it not? Just uh, it's taken a little bit longer, more than normal to do that. Uh, am I on? Did I flip this good? I'm good? All right. Uh, but yeah, we were driving around looking at lights last night, and it was just like, man, it's just so different this year, 2020 and uh, everything else. But the story doesn't change. The story doesn't change. Christ in you is the story. And that's every single day. No matter what the holiday may seem like, Christ in you is the story. And we get into chapter 13 today of 1 Corinthians, the great love chapter. But if you understand Christ in you, Christ in you, then you're going to understand the main evidence of maturity in the Christian life. What does that look like? What does maturity in the Christian life look like? I believe that it's a, a growing love for God and people. And people. It is really, really hard in this chaotic season that we're in with a pandemic and everything to love people. Because we get divided with, these, with this stupid little thing right here. It's, it's, cause, it's another cause of division the evil one has used for this thing right here. Uh, obviously, I don't have mine on right now because I'm six feet away from everybody. And, uh, but the question is, today, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And, and you, have to, you have to get this. This is what is... You, you take that chapter 13 and you've used it in weddings you've used it you know love is this and love is doesn't do all this and it's usually this eloquent thing between a man and a woman and that wasn't what this was written for at all remember there was conflict going on in the church body in Corinth there was a lot of corrupt things going on and Paul's addressing these things and if you go back to last week, as Matt mentioned, we were talking about spiritual gifts. That as you become believers, the Holy Spirit enters inside of you. The Holy Living God enters inside of you, takes up residence inside of you, and he gives you specific gifts. He doesn't give everybody the same gift. He may give multiple gifts to one person. And it could be for a season. Could be for a season. But then he says, you know, those gifts are worthless. Are worthless in the church. If you don't use them in the proper manner. And there's one proper manner to use them. And that's where we left off last week. Verse 31 of chapter 12 says this says, but desire the greater gifts, and I will show you even a better way. 
chapter 12, he talked about those specific gifts, but he's like, there's a better way to function inside this room right here. There's a better way to function inside the community out there. Now watch verse 1, it says, If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, we talk about, you know, if you're just like, we use that as if you're just saying words, you're just loud, you just talk all that. That's what we have associated with that verse. But he's referring back to chapter 12 when he's literally talking about the spiritual gift of tongues. Tongues, he's saying, tongues, apart from love, creates a lot of noise. It creates a lot of noise that's obnoxious. It is love that enriches the gift and that gives it value. If you want to make the gift of tongues valuable, Wrap it up in love. You see, ministry without love pretty much cheapens both the minister and those who are touched by it. I can do ministry all day long, and it becomes task-oriented. It becomes getting things accomplished. And that's, that's honestly what I used to do. That's how I used to do ministry. But now if I can step back, not focus, I still get tasks, I still get a list done, but if I can figure out how to do it in love, it begins to enrich the whole church. That's what he's talking about. How do you take these gifts and you enrich the church rather than it not be done in love and it's probably more about self? He says in verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. He's literally going back to chapter 12 and talking about the gifts of prophecy, the gift of knowledge, and the gift of faith. He's taking chapter 13 and applying it to chapter 12 where we've just taken chapter 13 and says, this is what love is. He's like, you've got problems in presenting your prophecy, presenting your knowledge, and presenting your faith because it's more self-centered. If you can figure out how to do it in love, it makes all the difference. Verse 3, it says, And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast... But do not have love, I, have, I gain nothing. He's, he's trying to drive this home. You may be the most spiritually gifted person in the room. But if you're doing it out of your own strength, if you're doing it out of your own desires, if you're doing it for what you get out of it, he's saying, hey, it's nothing. It's not worth anything. The gift of giving. If you can give out of love, 
He, he, he's literally saying these five gifts are worthless without love. Oh, let me show you a few verses because Paul's driving this home. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we've already discussed this. It says about brotherly love. You don't need me to write you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. That is the Lord's message. Love one another as I have loved you. 1 John 4, verse 19, it says, We love because he loved us first. How how do I know how to love? What is love? Well, Christ showed it to me. He loved me first. He gave up his life for me. He sent a spirit to live inside of me to live my life for me here. He's doing it for me. How do I know what love is? He showed me. He loved me first. John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus says this. This is red letters. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You take that as a command And then you totally twist it. If I'm a believer, then I have to love people so that everybody will know that I'm a believer. No. You choose to love people because Christ loved you and showed you what love is. Then you love people and automatically people know that you're a believer. That's what Jesus is saying. Romans 5, Paul says this, Verse 5, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He's like, I'll love for you. If you can't do it, I'll do it for you. Ephesians 4.15, it says, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Hmm. So now we've just taken that verse and it says, speak truth in love. Can I camp there for a second? Uh, Truth does not equal our opinion. Shall I repeat that? Truth does not equal our opinion. You see, opinions can be based on a combination of things. It can be based upon truth. It can be based upon misinformation. It can be based upon experience, feelings, and even the processing of our thoughts. That's what opinions can be. And you know the whole thought process. I get my thoughts from the experiences that I've already had I get my thoughts from the power of sin that dwells in my flesh. That would be the evil one sending me thoughts, not me creating those thoughts. And then I get my thoughts also from the Spirit of God that indwells in me. I've got three sources of my thoughts, and I have to process them, and they form my opinion. They form my opinion. I don't always have to express my opinions. Especially if it's not loving. I'm sorry, 
I have unloving opinions. <laughs> I do. I admit it. My opinions are strong, but most of the time I try to retain them. And then you have to ask yourself the question. You just ask yourself the question. I might think this is loving, but will it be received as a loving expression? I, I personally think it's loving, but are they going to receive it as loving? Again, I don't always have to share my opinion. But at the same time, I might be led by the Spirit to speak truth in love. Which still hurts when it clashes with others' opinions. I get it. Sometimes the Spirit's going to lead me to say, be very bold and say something that people may not agree with. I've literally, in my ministry these years, these last few years, tried to figure out when I'm supposed to speak and when I'm not supposed to speak. Society's telling me when I'm supposed to speak and when I'm supposed to shut up. I don't listen to that too much. If there's a holy, loving, living God inside of me, he's going to direct my mouth. And remember... The intent of Paul right here is to remind the church that spiritual gifts should be wrapped in love for the enriching of the church body. That's literally what he's saying here in the first three verses. Then in these next four verses, he emphasizes the purpose of love in the church body, and it's to edify. That is one of the beauties of this group right here is I think you guys are pretty good at edifying one another, encouraging one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 says this, We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It's okay that we have biblical conversations, but the whole idea is for us to encourage one another through love. And then he goes into these verses right here. He says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Again, this makes for a great wedding ceremony. But that's not Paul's intent. You see, the Corinthians were being impatient with one another, being rude with one another. If you go into the next chapter, verse 29, it says this, Two or three prophets should speak and the others should evaluate. But if something has been revealed to another person sitting there, the first prophet should be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged and the prophet's spirits are subject to the prophet since God is not a God of disorder but of peace. So literally what we picture right here is a group of people that have gathered together and they're all speaking over each other. And they're all trying to prove their point and say their opinion and everything else and Paul's literally saying, hey, love is patient. <laughs> Just chill out a second. Love is kind. It's not rude. You don't have to interrupt. He's literally trying to help the church through their difficult situations. Then he says, Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, 
and does not keep a record of wrongs. Again, he's saying knowledge is puffed up. That whole love feast, which was known as the Lord's Supper, where they would all bring food and the wealthy people would eat first and just gorge themselves and leave scraps for the poor people. He says that whole love feast thing, if it's not based upon love, stop doing it. Just stop. No one cares about your religious practices. If it's not done out of love, it means absolutely nothing. 1 Corinthians 4, we've already talked about this. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, Nothing beyond what is written. The purpose is that none of you will be arrogant, favoring one person over another. He's literally saying, if this is what you're doing, if you're playing favorites, if you like some people and you don't like others, it's not done out of love. And then in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. These aren't commands. These are reminders of who we are in Christ and what he's called us to do. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. (laughs) Live at peace with everyone. He's, Paul, he's not only writing to the church at Corinth, he's writing to the church at Rome and the church at Ephesus, and he's saying, you guys, it's all about love. It's not this warm, fuzzy thing. It's this spirit that lives inside of you that does it for you. It may look warm and fuzzy, but it's intentional. You take, if that spirit's living inside of you, and, you know, Matt, you talk about this all the time, there is the fruit, not the fruits, but there's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If the spirit lives inside of me, and it's producing fruit. Not me, but the Spirit is producing fruit. Listen to this. And let me compare it to what we just read. Galatians 5, 23 is the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Law is not such against that you, you don't need the law because if you have that, You've got everything you need. 
you go back to verse 4, it says, Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it's not boastful, it's not arrogant, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrong. Do you see how the Spirit lines up with what Paul's saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? You may try to do it in your own strength. Good luck with that. But if you really want to know how to love people, figure out how to do it out of your new heart. Figure out how to love people. I know it's hard today to love people. It's hard. Let the Spirit do it in you. Learn how to live out of your new heart, how to submit to that new heart. Verse 6, it says this, Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This means that we must not think of ourselves but we have to think of others. And this right there, that demands love. Verse 8, it says, Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. He's saying the gifts of the church are necessary for the enrichment and the edifying of the church. But someday they become less important until they're no longer needed. But love will always endure. Those spiritual gifts may fade away, may be temporary, but love's not, it's eternal. He's really stressing the point here. And then we get to verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. Here we are in that month of December, Christmas, the spirit of giving. And you always ask your kids, what do you want for Christmas? And they write out their list, right? You got the kids' list. But then you ask the older people in the room, what do you want for Christmas? What do they say? I don't don't need anything. I don't need anything. He says right here, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things wasn't about me anymore it's not about me i don't need anything i'm good verse 12 for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror but then face to face now i know in part but then i will know fully as i am fully known you see in those days they didn't have the nice mirrors that you have hanging up in your bathroom they took a polished silver polished brass and they would look in it and they would see a dull reflection of themselves And this is really what Paul is referring to. The the reflection that I see from you is kind of dull, but someday I'm going to be face-to-face with Jesus, and it's going to be amazing. I'm going to know fully. And then the last verse, he says this. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these 
is love. The extreme to which faith refers, it refers to the conviction of the things unseen. You go back to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 and it just puts it so powerfully. Where you put your trust and faith in the things that you can't see. That's, that's what we have right here in this room. And then hope, it really refers uh, to that which one believes is, is going to happen. I believe it's going to happen but we don't have the conclusive evidence to demonstrate that it will happen. But I'm hoping for it. In the eternal state, it will be conclusive, I promise you. But then he says, but love, in all of its interpersonal, self-giving nature, it's going to continue throughout eternity. You see that, right? At one point, we'll never need faith again. We'll never need hope again. In eternity, you'll never need faith. You'll never need hope. You'll see it. It's going to be clear. But there's always going to be love. There's always going to be love. I I took that. And put it in context of what Paul was saying in light of chapter 12, verse 13. But then you go, okay, well, that's good for them. But So you're saying chapter 13 is not for us. I didn't say that at all. I think the word that Paul gives to the church at Corinth is beautiful. You, you take that word and I just let me read it to you one time in full. And I'm going to read it in a paraphrase version rather than the actual translation. Because sometimes the paraphrase just grabs you. Alright? But just let me read chapter 13 to you. To you. As we go throughout this Christmas season. Start at chapter 12, 31. But now I want to lay out a far better way for you. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything. Trust God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. 
but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. I can't think of a greater Christmas message than this right here. In the chaos that this world, this society creates in this month of shopping, and in the midst of the biggest pandemic that we'll ever experience... In the chaos, Paul says, do these things out of love. Good luck doing it out of your own strength. Good luck holding on to your marriage in your own strength. Good luck loving those kids when they're hard to be loved in your own strength. It's hard. But Paul says there's an easy way. Let Christ in you do it. Father, I pray today that we can just rest. That we can rest from our own selfish works, our own selfish flesh. And we can trust this spirit inside of you to guide us, to lead us, to open our mouths, to shut our mouths, to, to hug or not to hug. That you would just do this in our church, in this community, in this loving group of people. And we do celebrate your life each and every day. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.